You're listening to Under a Pile of Books, and in this episode, I sit down with Virginia McLean, author and Spiffbo finalist. We talk about her books, her writing process, and a bunch of other stuff. I hope you enjoy. Hey, everyone. I'm here with Virginia McLean, the author of the Chronicles of Gensokai series, uh, which begins with Blade's Edge. And uh, Blade's Edge is also a current Spiffbo finalist. So welcome, Virginia. Hi. Thanks. Glad to be here. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for, for being willing to, to, to come on. I really appreciate uh, you giving us some of your time. Oh, happy to. And uh, yeah, thanks for having me. It's always always nice to talk to people about books. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, so uh, Blade's Edge, as I mentioned, is one of the current Spiffbo finalists. So congratulations <laughs> uh, on that. Um, h- how did you discover Spiffbo and, and what's the experience of being a finalist been like so far? Uh, so I discovered Spiffbo last year while the finals were still happening. Um, J.C. Kang, uh, another author of Asian-themed fantasy, mm-hmm. um, told me about it. Uh, we uh, He's been actually a huge help to me in a number of, of ways. He's been kind of my, my mentor author buddy for a while now, um, and he helps me out. And has told me about a number of things that have been very useful to me, including uh, including <laughs> Spiffbo. Um Sorry, I've been calling it SPFBO in my head for ages. Oh yeah, uh, no, even though no it's problem. yeah, and I'm I'm okay with Spiffbo, but I just like I have to correct myself mid um, pronunciation. Uh, yeah, it's just so, too many. There are too many letters for me to try to say SPFBO all the time. That's fair. So. That's totally fair. No, and Spiffbo is fine. It just it cracks me up, and so every time I say it, I kind of chuckle. And, okay, I'll just call it SPFBO. Um, <laughs> so yeah, so John John Kang um, told me about it, and uh, and it. And then I set a, a reminder on my calendar as soon as the 2019 Spiffbo was announced. Um, mm-hmm. And then I actually scheduled the email <laughs> to go out <laughs> uh, at Mark Lawrence's, um, whatever the first time he said we could submit was. So I just was like checking Greenwich Mean Time and comparing yep, it to my right, time, right. scheduling it to go out. And uh, yeah, and then... Uh, the experience so far has been uh, amazing and a little very surprising. I I really did not expect to make it anywhere in the competition necessarily because it seemed like there were just so many good books involved. I didn't really even expect to make it to the semifinals. Um, but once I made it to the semifinals, I was like, okay, well, that's really cool. But but clearly that's the end of my ride. Like, I, you know, there's no way I'm going any farther than that. Uh, and then was announced as a finalist. And, and here we are. Um, and the experience has been interesting. I, I, the very best part about it has been the other authors involved, um, particularly mm. the the other nine finalists. We have a group chat with the 10 of us, and it's one of the highlights of my day every day, checking in with those guys. Um, we're, um, I don't know, it's just a fun, fun group of fun people, and it's really nice to have other authors who are in the same or at least a similar stage of their careers and, and are also indie and, um, and we're all in this competition together. And every time someone posts a review about any of our books, we all hop on with either congratulations or condolences. Um, we're all very mad. Anytime anyone gets a low score, <laughs> 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 it's a lot of, 
a lot of uh well that's just crazy and you know we uh, you know we get very defensive of each other um and we don't you know share that anywhere outside of the group because um because reviews are reviews and they're not for us they're for other people um but within the group we get very defensive um and uh and it's really nice it's really supportive there's a lot of um a lot of virtual hugs and yeah. uh, and support with stories. And so that part has been truly amazing. And I really feel like that is winning, like basically just making the finals and getting that group of close knit author friends sort of hand handed to me <laughs> has been the, the best part of the competition and, and actually winning would not surpass that in any way. <laughs> mm, um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I feel, I feel like that's, that's been it. And then, yeah, it's been, it's, it's weird having that much uh, critical analysis of my book happening from, from book blogs. It's nice uh, because so far, mostly I've, I've heard generally nice things. Uh, it's a little bit nerve wracking. I keep waiting for someone to come in and say, this is just awful claptrap and whatever. <laughs> and, and, and be like, Oh God, you're right. I'm sorry. I'm going to stop writing now. Um, because that's sort of the way you, that's the initial reaction to any negative review is like, Oh, oh God, they're right. That's, it's awful. I'm a fraud mm-hmm. and everyone has now figured it out. Um, and then, you know, moving on from that takes, time uh and friends and so that's why it's again really good to have <laughs> yeah, yeah nine pocket friends um <laughs> to help me uh get through it and to, we help each other um yeah so anyway that's i think it in a nutshell i mean it's 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 a wild ride um and i don't know what else to say <laughs> no but that that's cool i think it's it's neat to to see the camaraderie that uh, I think comes with Spiffbo certainly for for you as finalists, but I, I think in, as well as I've talked to other Spiffbo authors and uh, whether they make it uh, to the semifinals or whether uh, you know they don't they don't get that far, uh, I still think there's just a huge sense of, of camaraderie between the different authors and uh, as a reviewer uh, and podcaster, it's it's really cool uh, as well on that side of it, there's a lot of camaraderie that, that comes good. in as well. So what, what I think what Mark has created uh, in terms of uh, Spiffbo is really kind of this um, unique community mm-hmm. has, has sprung up around it. And, and it's really cool to see that. Yeah, it is. It's really nice. And I also, I want to, I feel like I should add um, that while we do, uh, <laughs> we do, support each other whenever any of us gets a negative review. We don't actually hold any of that against the reviewers. <laughs> Just sure, want to make sure, that sure, perfectly sure. clear. Uh, we really appreciate the time that every single reviewer um, has taken to read our books and and comment on them thoughtfully. And and I do think that all the reviews have been quite thoughtful, uh, even when they've been negative. And, um, and we really do love that about the Spiffbo community. There doesn't seem to be any random trashing mostly it's it's mm-hmm, just thoughtful mm-hmm. commentary um so yeah anyway we that's it's a nice nice community on on all sides and um yeah yeah that's great yeah it really is it really is um now focusing in a little bit uh here on your book mm. in particular mm. um so blade blade's edge is set in a in a japanese inspired secondary world mm-hmm. um which is really cool and 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 i i really i love world building i love asian inspired settings um and so i'm 
I'm interested to know what was the the inspiration beyond just well Japan. Um, <laughs> what what was the the inspiration for uh, this world? So when I wrote the first draft of of Blade's Edge, I was living in Japan, and um, I was there for two years. And the first draft sort of came to me. I I participate in National Novel Writing Month every year. And the, my first uh, November in Japan was my third or fourth, I think third, National Novel Writing Month. My third NaNoWriMo. And I was at the time spending a bunch of time, I was teaching adult English classes and they were mostly in the evening. So I had all day to go exploring and I was biking around to all the little local mountains. We were sort of, uh, our placement, um, in Japan was, uh, what we would consider a small city, but is considered kind of a town, um, <laughs> to, uh, to Japanese people. And certainly is considered Inaka, which means middle of nowhere. And <laughs> there, so we're surrounded by, uh, by rice fields and, and mountains and then, beyond that, the ocean. Uh, at any rate, the area was rife with temples and shrines, um, Buddhist temples and, and Shinto shrines. And everywhere I would go, I would see little shrines in different places. And every mountain I would uh, climb, there would be a, a shrine or a temple at the top. And so I spent a lot of time like sitting in these beautiful scenic places with a little shrine to a local spirit next to me mm. um and they would all have different animals associated with them some of them had people associated with them um there's usually a little statuary to to give you an idea of who or what that is and and then i would ask around afterwards be like what's this shinto deity about or spirit deity is not really an accurate um, term, but it's often the, the thing we come up with, um, mm -hmm. right, right. and to make parallels, but, um, and, and get the, the background on that. And at any rate, I, at one point I was sitting on one of these mountains and I was like, man, you know, it'd be really cool is if this little dragon, uh, in the shrine next to me came to life and, or, you know, became animated and, and said, Hey, mm. what's, what's your story? What are you, what are you here for? What, what can I help you with? Um, and, that idea sort of stuck with me because because I was seeing these everywhere and I was like, man, you know, the world would be much so much cooler <laughs> if <laughs> if these kami would just show up and 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 interact. And so that stuck with me for a while. And then um, I've practiced uh, Japanese martial arts for a, a good portion of my life, um, and meditation has always been a part of that practice. And so I started to come up with ideas too around meditation practices and uh, being part of a magic system um, and of magic and martial arts being closely tied and, mm -hmm. and then, and coming up with, with a warrior cast that, that used both those things. Um, and then sort of it all, the way that books do uh, it all sort of melted together. And, and I combined those ideas with some other ideas and created an alternate history and created these characters and, um, and thus, Gensokai was born. <laughs> um, but it, it's more than an alternate history, Japan, uh, because, the, I mean, the history is so vastly different that it's not really a fair comparison. Um, but it's, it's very much along the lines of, of any, if you take a Western fantasy story that takes place in something that's clearly not, you know, uh, an exact parallel of Earth, but 
is sort of a has a medievalish feudalish vibe mm-hmm. to it right it's the right. same same thing but but more japanese inspired yeah. Yeah, and like, like I said, I loved it. Um, I think I think the world building is really really cool and uh, uh, very neat in uh, Blade's Edge. So uh, if if folks listening are uh, kind of into Asian inspired, Japanese inspired uh, secondary worlds, um, I think they're really going to find a lot to like uh, in this. So uh, you you know, folks, you should check it out. <laughs> Thanks. Um. So now the 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 two main characters mm-hmm. uh, in your story, uh, Mishi and Taka, Taka mm-hmm. they they kind of as I read the the story and and whatnot, I, I noticed that they sort of almost serve as foils for one another. There are certain ways that their stories mirror, mm-hmm. and then and then certain ways that they diverge, but but always kind of in relation to 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 one another. Um, and, and I'm, I want to know, was this sort of mirrored narrative deliberate in your planning or did it kind of turn out that way more as you wrote? Um, so the answer is kind of both. (laughs) When I wrote, (laughs) when I wrote the first draft, I wrote a hundred thousand words in that first November back in 2009. And I... And I spewed forth everything onto the page, including all the world building and the character background. And the, the it was a very, I had done no planning prior and I just worded all over the page with way too much information. But I, you know, I knew I was going to deal with it later. Um, and so, and but I did, I spent, oh man, I covered every detail of those children's lives from, from the time they were separated <laughs> to the time they got back together and always alternating. Um, and that was just somewhat organic. I just sort of went from, okay. I would mm-hmm. tell a bit of, of Mishi's story and then I would get bored and I'd just tell a bit of Taka's story and then I'd get bored and I'd tell a bit of Mishi's story and just <laughs> went back and forth, kind of just to keep myself entertained and to help draw out those hundred thousand words. Uh, Cause that was the goal I had given myself. And then afterwards I looked at it and it was a mess and, uh, and there was way more in there than we needed uh, to hear. But for everyone who has said in their reviews, which isn't a ton of people, but I'd say it's about half, about half the people who read or who bother to leave a review. I'll never know about the people who don't leave reviews, but um, have said, Oh man, I really wish there was more, more. I really wish there were more scenes with Mishi and Tatsu um, or Taka and Yanagi. And mm-hmm. I, so like the, the whole mentorship training yep. sequences. Yep. And, and I, I, I appreciate those reviews so much because I kind of love those people. I cut so much of that. I had so many more of those scenes written and I wound up just cutting all the ones that didn't progress the main plot. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And maybe I should have tried to figure out a way to tie in some extra ones to to move the main plot forward, but I, I wasn't really able to, and I didn't want them slowing down the story. But I absolutely loved writing those, and I feel like someday I should release uh, like cutscenes with extra of those for people who are <laughs> have already read the books and enjoyed them. Or like, I just want more of those scenes. Like, oh, here you go. Here's like an extra fifty pages of <laughs> of these characters hanging out. Um, but yeah, when I when I wound up editing, I I just chiseled away at all of that excess and still and then rewrote and I rewrote 
probably 90%, I would say less than 10% of the words from the first draft made it into the final draft. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, it was, uh, <laughs> it was a big, there's also a lot of time between the first draft, which I wrote in 2009 and the final draft, which I wrote in 2014. Um, and then published in early, uh, in January of 2015. Um, so my writing had improved and my ideas for, for, pacing and plot and everything had, mm-hmm, had mm-hmm. tightened up. And so I, I, you know, there's a really, I just had to start from scratch with a lot of scenes, but, but that alternating still stuck uh, because I really wanted it to be about both of them. And I really wanted the story to be about them. And I wanted it to be, uh, sorry, obviously it's about them about, but about their, about their friendship and, yeah, yeah, yeah. and about mm-hmm. the ways in which they, still thought of each other yearn for each other etc um and i didn't yeah i didn't want it to become where i didn't want one of them to become more the main character than the other and then i also decided to use them in my rewrites i decided to use them as you say as as foils as more as as different ways of discovering parts of of the the various mysteries that are solved throughout or mysteries yeah right right um, questions that are answered um and so they both come to the same realization from different angles and providing different information and uh yeah and that was very that was very intentional in the rewrite um whereas the just the alternating pov was more organic but the ways the, the points at which i alternated uh pov became much more deliberate uh when i rewrote the book yeah i know that makes that makes a lot of sense and i think i think it worked really well just as a as a way of of kind of telling not only their their individual stories but but the story of the sort of the main plot what they're what they're each discovering and and this kind of thing it it, like i said i i think it worked worked out really really well thank you um now, book two mm-hmm. is out yep. already, yep. and you're currently working on on book three. Is that correct? That is correct. Yes. Yeah. So, what what differences have there been in terms of crafting like the second and the third novels versus maybe writing the the, the first one? Well, that's a that's a great question. The second book was a very different experience for a number of reasons. It picks up immediately after Blade's Edge stops. And so in many ways, I felt very beholden to Blade's Edge and Blade's Edge's readers, though there were very few readers at that time. (laughs) But I still felt like I owed them (laughs) those like 200 people. (laughs) I really felt like I owed them um, uh, a continuation of the story that that did it justice Mm -hmm, and still mm -hmm. focused on a slightly different angle. Um, and the the second book is much more of a psychological and emotional story. Um, one of the things that I wanted to focus on in, in book two was the the aftermath of the kind of story that book one is, which I don't think we get a ton of in fantasy, where mm, there's an yeah, action yeah. hero or there's a there's a hero of any kind who is has seen action. And, and the fallout from that, um, I don't think we address uh, the, the kind of psychological turmoil that warriors um, who have to, you know, kill people or otherwise 
exert violence on others um have to go through if they're not yeah sociopaths you know like there's (laughs) there's there's a certain amount of like okay you're a regular human being who's trained to be a fighter but you weren't trained in a particularly martial way which is i think we there's a lot that our modern military does to sort of try to combat this um in making and sort of distancing people from their decisions in battle um and i don't think that's i mean i know that's not the way that that uh mishi was trained and so it wasn't just a follow orders and fight type of deal for her it was a it was a you know fight for a a cause that's extremely important to you um and then afterwards what happens emotionally and psychologically um we rarely see that in a fantasy novel and indeed i didn't want there to be like a giant epilogue dealing with it um (laughs) but book two almost (laughs) is that uh but it has its own it has its own plot there is still a um there's still an external force uh that that our main characters have to deal with. Um, there are some additional characters that are brought in that, that are mainly, they're very much secondary characters in book one and they are brought to the forefront of book two. And um, so anyway, it makes it a, a different journey. There's still combat. There's still, um, there's still plenty of magic. <laughs> uh, there's <laughs> new, there are new characters to follow as well as our beloved Mishi and Taka. But um but yeah, there's these darker themes as well. Um, and after I wrote book two, I actually, I really needed to take a break from writing the dark <laughs> setup that is played, that is Ginsokai. Like Ginsokai in this time period is not a happy place. And, yeah, right, right. Um, and my brain needed a break from that. So actually I wrote a whole five book, fast paced urban fantasy uh, satire <laughs> after that uh, to sort of cleanse my my mental palette and then moved on to book three and even book three is substantially less dark than books one or two. Um, book three is also not young adult. It's going to be adult. The main character is a woman in her mid to late thirties. Um, and she is also a mom, um, of a young child and, um, her partner is, uh, abducted and she has to rescue her partner and she also has to bring her three, four-year-old along with her <laughs> um, on the rescue mission. So uh, so it's a very different slant from the, the first two books. And it's also going to be, it's going to be a little more humorous and lighthearted. Um, it takes place after book two. So the world is in a little bit of uh, a better place. Um, it happens a few years after book two ends. Um, and while our the main characters from books uh, one and two will make cameos, they are not uh, the main characters in book three. So it's a it's good in that oh, interesting. anyone can pick up book three without having read books one or two. Books books one and two are actually also both standalones. You can pick up book two without having read Blade's Edge. Mm-hmm. Um, and it should make sense. But it'll be a richer experience if you've read Blade's Edge because they are sequential. But um, But book three is a totally separate series. And I wouldn't say totally separate audience. I think anybody who has enjoyed Blade's Edge and Trader's Hope will enjoy this third book, uh, be they young or old, but it is shifting into, um, adult characters, um, who are just 
slightly more cynical going into <laughs> a lot of the same problems <laughs> um, and also have extra stuff to deal with like a child and uh, a long-term right, relationship right, right. that's been going on for a while and, and things like that. So um, yeah. So that's, oh, but that, that's really interesting. That's really interesting <laughs> I'm so. glad you think so. <laughs> I hope I hope other people do too. <laughs> yeah, right. um, I'm really enjoying writing it. Uh, the characters are super fun. Uh, there's a wolf spirit in a, trapped in a katana that that is uh shows up and and hangs out and it's kind of ridiculously fun to write that character <laughs> you, you had me at spirit in katana so you know <laughs> yeah uh it's it's yeah i'm kind of just going i'm going full writing it for me um which is usually i mean it's that's generally what i do although i yeah I'm really embracing the writing it for me now. I'm like, I don't care if it's a trope that's been done to death, that there's a, a wolf buddy that can talk. I'm doing it. Uh, Cause I like that. <laughs> I like that. Hey, you know, you know, <laughs> um, and how many of them have been trapped in katanas, you know, like, the, right. I, right. I'm, I mean, come on now. Giving it come a on. twist. <laughs> that's, hey, hey, I like it. I like it. So now this, this may be the most difficult question that I pose to you. Mm. Um, if you could have dinner with any character from all of fantasy literature, who would it be and why? Oh, you gave this question to me early and then and yeah. then the world fell apart and I forgot to look at it. Um. You, you, you have a legitimate excuse. So, Because <laughs> um, that is that is a ridiculously hard question. I know, I know. I had someone turn this back around on me once, oh, and yeah. I was like, "Oh wow, this is really hard." <laughs> okay, yeah, you answer. But clearly, if you've already answered it once, I won't make you answer it again. <laughs> um, I mean, off the cuff, oh, there's so many good, good characters that I would love. <sighs> I'm gonna go with. I, I would like to actually sit down and have a meal with all, uh, all six of the main characters in. Um, in Six of Crows by Lee Bardugo. Oh. I wanna I wanna hang out in Ketterdam and uh, and get street food with those guys and maybe join oh, them man, on a heist. That would be... Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you you get both dinner and danger. Right. So. Yeah. Like dinner and a show. <laughs> I mean, just watching Inej like flip herself into a window somewhere and run off on the rooftop would be well worth it. Um, and then, you know, maybe having Kaz beat the crap out of somebody with a cane. I, you know, there's just, you uh, watch Jesper shoot somebody from afar. Or maybe not somebody. I'd prefer to not see him shoot anyone, but maybe like shoot out some lights from really far away. There you go. There you go. Happen. Right. Yeah. Uh, nice. nice. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. There we go. The entire the entire cast of six of crows. I love it. I love that. That may be one of the more unique responses actually that, <laughs> that, that I've heard. So that's good. That's good. Um, Virginia, where can, where can folks find you online? Uh, oh gosh, all over the place. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Gwen Damned If you want to see my random musings, uh, mostly uh, there's a lot of political stuff. I'll warn you in advance. Um, and also a lot of book stuff. Um, and you can also just find my website at www.virginiamclean.com. Fairly straightforward. Um, I have a Patreon that's Patreon slash Virginia McLean. And uh, I have an Instagram, but I almost never post anything interesting there. So you don't even worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> um, all my books are on Goodreads. And of course, um, you can find them on uh, Amazon and uh, at 
books to read uh, for the Blade's Edge and Trader's Hope are available everywhere. My urban fantasy series is only available through Amazon at the moment. So yeah, those are good places to look. Cool. Well, thank you so much for uh, taking some of your data to be with us. Thank you so much for having me. It's been very entertaining and um, I really enjoyed these questions. Uh, I'm sorry I wasn't more prepared for the for the, that uh, question about uh, meeting characters, but I'm glad I was able to come up with, I, I feel like that's, I'm not going to regret that answer later. So hopefully. No way. No, that, great answer. Great answer. So thanks once again, Virginia. Thank you, Calvin. Thank <laughs> you.